Welcome to For the Love Podcast with best-selling author Jen Hatmaker. Come on in and join us for a chat with Jen and friends about all the things we love. Now, here's Jen. Hey, everybody. This is Jen. Welcome to the For the Love Podcast. We are continuing a series that I love, love, love right now, and it is For the Love of Food. Absolutely, positively, one of my top three subjects in the entire universe. Um, So I'm super excited to introduce our guest for today. Uh, A lot of you know her, but she'll be new to some of you. So Danielle Walker has made a pretty impressive space within the foodie world um, that you might be tempted to call trendy, except that she was here long before anybody else was, and for different reasons. So I know that some of us, actually 50 million of us, like Danielle, had to get pretty serious about what we were putting in our bodies, not just because we were putting on pounds, but because we needed to know why we felt so tired or had so much pain or were lethargic or even had dietary disorders or allergies. So Danielle has brought so much hope to so many people who needed to know that having to have a gluten-free diet or a grain-free diet or a dairy-free diet did not have to be the death of their food-loving ways. They could be both healthy and eat well. So she's a writer and a photographer, and she battled her own pretty intense autoimmune disease, which you're going to hear about in a minute here, for years. So she started experimenting in the kitchen um, to regain her health through essentially the medicine of food. So she's the author of the Against All Grain series of cookbooks, all three New York Times bestsellers. And she has not just brought hope, but I promise you, I would never lie to you, delicious, delicious food back into people's lives who maybe felt doomed. So listen, not only does she have amazing paleo recipes, but the pictures she takes makes you basically just want to go face down in her cookbook and eat every last recipe. Yes, there are desserts. Yes, there are drinks. And even your kids can't complain because she's got this whole set of recipes that even they will like, I swear, I promise you. So she is such a fun, fun foodie, such a great human being, actually. And so I am so excited to talk to her today. So without further ado, please enjoy this amazing chat with Danielle Walker. Okay, Danielle, welcome to the show. Thank you. You're so fun. We <laughs> actually, we met in person just last year, right? I think it might've been two. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a couple years ago, whatever my first time in Austin was. I, I don't remember. <laughs> it's all oh, a blur. That's right. Because I think my little guy who's almost two was was pretty brand new at that point. So yeah, I feel like it might've been almost two years ago. That's exactly right. And then we gathered as people do in Kim Paisley's (laughs) kitchen. Oh yes. Just just like a normal thing. And you cooked a feast. Yeah, just a normal thing. That's right. I, that's what, that's the time you were talking about. Yes. That was about a year ago. I was brand new pregnant with my daughter actually. So lots of pregnancies kind of my life lately. <laughs> That's right. You did something like revolutionary in that kitchen that I had never seen. I did. And, <laughs> yes. And I took one bite of it and I was like, I've been reborn. <laughs> and it is that you roasted your sliced uh, apple for the salad. Oh yeah. I thought you were going to say I roasted my own pumpkin, which is also a kind of a big difference than like a can. Yes. Yeah. The whole, all the fruit in that salad's roasted. Like there's grapes and figs and apples, everything. Yeah. I forgot about that. I never, <laughs> never, never, never had roasted fruit in a salad. And I thought, well, why bother until I had a bite of it? And I was like, how do you know this? Who put this knowledge into your head to know to do that? revolutionary. I've done it like a dozen times since. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> well, listen, uh, we're going to hear your whole story on this podcast. And I'm so glad you're on it today. Um, but before we do, I, just by way of setting a structure for everybody yes. listening today, let's just, will you talk real briefly about the kind of food lifestyle that you've written about? So it basically is paleo. Yeah. Um, so uh, probably most of our listeners know enough 
here to know what we're talking about, but just in case they're new to, new to it, can you explain exactly what paleo is and just why it's such a thing right now? Yeah. Well, gosh, there's a few reasons why it's such a thing. I think there's, there's a few different reasons why people come to it, but paleo in a nutshell uh, would be grain-free, dairy-free, legume-free. So nuts, peanuts, uh, beans, and refined sugar-free. I personally hate to hate, I, I hate to go off of the freeze because I think that just sounds so limiting. So right. in a sense, what I can eat are all proteins, pasteurized, organic beef and chicken and fish, uh, turkey, fruits and nuts and seeds and berries and vegetables. And I think I'm like, I think that's it. Nuts. I said that already. Uh, so I try to go off of that. It's kind of everything that I actually can eat. So pretty much nothing processed, kind of the food uh, back to the way that it was before we kind of had modern yep. agriculture uh, and processing of things. Um, just kind of the way, I, I always say the way God created it, just back to the basics. Um, and that's that's kind of what it is. <laughs> that's like a perfect um, description. And here's where I want to jump in next because lest I have any listeners going, Oh, somebody's <laughs> on a bandwagon. Like I really am excited for everybody to hear your story because you know, you, you've overcome debilitating health issues mm-hmm. uh, through food. And so this is not about a fad. Right. Um, this is not about a trend. And of course you talk about this at large, you know, in right. your space and on your sites. Um, so t- will you tell everybody kind of what you were going through before you started, mm-hmm. you know, uh, toggling with your diet and how you basically came to know that this specific way of eating was instrumental in healing your body? Yeah. So I, I think that also answers your question of kind of why it's so big um, and why it's not a fad. And I think it used to be called more and more of a fad back when I first started, which was about seven years ago. And I think I'm hearing that less and less because it's become a lifestyle is what I call it. And that's kind of what a lot of people have taken it as. And there's not really going back. I think the difference between a diet is that it's kind of that yo-yo effect, you know, where you do it and it's maybe a five day cleanse or it's a, you know, this, you know, one day this, and then you get a cheat weekend or, or something like that. And that's kind of diet or, or it's, it's not sustainable. It's not something that you plan on doing for life. It's like a quick fix to lose some weight or whatever it is. And this is not really about losing weight, although people do find naturally that they do because they're eating a whole bunch less junk. But for me, it was kind of a, I'm not turning back and this is the rest of my life. And the reason for that is I had, like you said, a debilitating autoimmune disease. I was in and out of hospitals, uh, gosh, many, many times during each year and would spend sometimes up to 12 to 14 days in the hospital and then would spend months back at home recovering from that and being bedridden and uh, having to take medical leave from my job. So I have something called ulcerative colitis, which is similar to Crohn's disease, which is kind of what more people are familiar with. Uh, But both diseases are in the intestine and the gut. And they're autoimmune disease, which means that my immune system is attacking my body unnecessarily, essentially. Uh, And it causes inflammation and it causes it to attack for me, my colon. Uh, But there's a slew of autoimmune diseases. I mean, hundreds that people suffer from. So anything from MS to uh, rheumatoid arthritis to psoriasis. So, I mean, you've probably heard of an autoimmune disease in your life, you know, whether you know somebody that suffers from one, you just may not realize that that's how it's categorized. But essentially those things all have the same thing in common is that their bodies are attacking different parts of their own body, their different organs. And it's just kind of presents itself in different ways. What were your symptoms like during that season? Oh boy. (laughs) That's, I always joke. This is like the type of talk that like 80 year olds talk about, like your bowels. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? It's just, it's just something that I've gotten comfortable with. You know, I always tell people, I'm like, I'm not going to go too into detail. You can Google ulcerative colitis if you want, and you will find that it is one of the most embarrassing, not pretty diseases that you can possibly imagine. And let's just remember that I was 22 years old. I had just gotten married. I got diagnosed about two months after, and my husband was having to give me enemas, which if you're not familiar, yeah. So we'll just, we'll stop it there and just (laughs) say that in the sickness and health and really getting to know each other really up close and personal happened really fast. And God bless him. He is with me still, and he has loved me every step of the way, and I would not be here if it wasn't for him. Uh, But 
I, I saw tons of different doctors and, you know, every specialist in the San Francisco area, and they all just were prescribing medications, medications, medications. And, and most of those medications actually made me way worse than I was walking into their office. Yeah, they, they cleared up some of the symptoms that I was dealing with, but then they added dozens of side effects on top of that. And I kept asking them all, you know, what can I do dietary wise, mostly just because this was in my colon. So, you know, I mean, if it was something else, I may not have jumped to diet, but because this is the food that's coming in and going straight out of me, I thought there must be something, you know, there's got to be something. And and I, I didn't study nutrition. I wasn't in med school. You know, I had a marketing degree. <laughs> um, but something just in my brain was like something that I'm eating or maybe something that I'm not getting enough of that I'm deficient in. Could, could something help? And every single doctor I saw said diet can't cause it, diet can't cure it, diet can't help it. And for a while, I just took that, you know, I was like, all right, well, I guess this is the, my life. I'm just going to be sick and I'm going to feel this way forever. And, uh, I, I eventually just kind of got tired of it. I was so sick all the time. I spent, you know, my first three years of marriage, just so, so sick. And so I, I started kind of doing some research on my own and I, I found some chat boards basically at that point, kind of medical chat boards of people that were saying that, that changing their diet really helped to put them in remission. And so that was kind of the, the start of my journey. <laughs> so you just sort of, you dipped your toe in at the beginning, right? Or did you go yeah. full monkey? No, no, I did not. I, I would, I, I would like to say that I did cause I think I would have wasted a lot less time being sick. Uh, and so that's always kind of my encouragement to people now is like, I wasted enough of my time so that you don't have to, <laughs> because I figured, you know, what could help out. But yeah, no, I didn't. It was just really tough mentally. You know, I'm a newlywed, I'm young, I'm 22, just graduated college, didn't really even know how to cook that well. And yeah. I was Italian and I loved pasta and I loved garlic bread and I loved cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Troublesome. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. And I was also dealing with this lifelong diagnosis of something that was not curable, you know? And so I'm like, gosh, I'm sick. I'm not cured. And I have to get rid of all happiness with food. I'm like, you know, so it was, it was a while for me. Um, I would kind of dabble in it. And then my husband would be eating something that looked good. And I would take some bites and be like, oh, I'll be fine with just a few bites, you know, or, oh, it's my birthday. I should be able to have a piece of cake. Uh, and, and I learned kind of, slowly but quickly as well that those things were not worth it and that when I really did stick to it I would actually feel better and so yeah no it took a while it took a while <laughs> forward just a hair you know to the point where you something clicked and you went no this is this is a lifestyle mm -hmm. uh, this is for the this is for my health this is for longevity and then you went 100% into this sort of food space so I just want everybody to know, I'm going to send them to your site, obviously, yeah. from this to see the before and after of your pictures. Yeah. I recognize you. I mean, it's just, <sighs> it's stunning. It's honestly stunning how much your body came back to life. I know. How healed and healthy and beautiful you are compared to how sick you were. I mean, it really did it, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, it did. It's pretty crazy. You know, I mean, it was a combination of supplements and making sure I was eating the right thing and then obviously diet change. And I did stay on a couple of the medications for a while until my body had time to heal. Um, but yeah, it's pretty amazing. I was emaciated. My hair had fallen out. Um, I mean, you can see just like no life in me and, and part of my symptoms as well, because my body doesn't absorb nutrients the way it should when I'm in a flare up, which is kind of what they say. That's like when you're really experiencing the, the symptoms of that disease, I would lose 20 pounds in two weeks, which I, I always pause everybody because, you know, women listening, they're like, Ooh, 20 pounds in two weeks. That sounds amazing. And I'm like, no, no. First of all, it was not overweight to begin with, but anybody, even if you're, you know, overweight, underweight, normal weight, losing 20 pounds in two weeks is really drastic. And your body kind of goes into shock. Um, you know, I like ended up having arthritis and like I said, my hair was falling out because it just didn't know what to do with itself. It's like, wait a minute, you know, what's happening. And, um, so I just was skeletal. And then also because I have kind of internal bleeding with that in my colon, I became really severely anemic during those times. 
And so, you know, I just look ghostly pale. I mean, I was, I had to have blood transfusions in the hospital to, to save my life essentially. So you can kind of see it in my face and in my body of just, you know, there's literally barely any life pumping through me. (laughs) Um, and yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible, you know, and I used to look at those photos well in it, I, I didn't see it. You know, I'd look at photos and just be like, Oh, I don't look great, but it, you know, but now looking back, I'm like, Oh my goodness, I can't believe I was even walking around like that. But I, I would often look at them and kind of look and see like, will I ever look like I used to, you know, like, will I ever have that smile or will my hair ever be shiny and full again? Or will I ever, you know, not have the huge, deep black circles under my eyes and the really pale face. And yeah, now you look at them and there's just such a stark contrast and it's, yeah, it's, so it's true. pretty incredible. It's so incredible. Your story is really moving and really meaningful. And so I think about a lot of people listening right now and we, so many of us are kind of like your old doctors who were like, no diet has nothing to do with the way you feel. Diet has nothing to do with your disease or your body or your health. Um, And so, you know, I know a lot of us probably do not look at how our diet may be affecting our mood, our energy level, our health. I mean, you had this very specific um, autoimmune disorder and, you know, a lot of us don't have anything quite that severe, but yeah. we could too be right. suffering from diet-related issues. So how would you, can, can you talk for a minute about what's the best way to even maybe just start yeah. looking at how food is making us feel and to sort of start making that correlation? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's it's interesting because when I first started this, I thought it really was just for my disease and digestive diseases. And then as I started blogging and writing my cookbooks, I was getting tons of emails from people or people coming to my book signings that were just experiencing you know, less symptoms of various things. So it could be anything from joint pain to not having a lot of energy, you know, after 3 p.m. to not sleeping very well to, you know, restless legs or migraines or headaches. It can really present in so many different ways. I think they say like one in five people have a gluten intolerance and don't know it. And it could present in like over 400 different symptoms. So you really have to kind of watch your body. And, and I think people start to just become complacent with their symptoms, you know, they're like, Oh, I have migraines. That's just life, you know, or, Oh, I I don't really sleep well at night. That's just the way it is. And I'm like, no, that's not the way God created our bodies. Like we should be living vibrant, healthy lives until we're later in our seventies or eighties. You know, I'm like, I shouldn't be 22 years old and have arthritis and my hair falling out like a 90 year old woman. And, and so I think the first thing is just to recognize that this is not normal. You know, like this is not a normal thing. I shouldn't have to live with this. I should be able to keep up with my toddler at the age of 30, you know? And, and so I think you just have to watch. So I always say, and it's, and it's a hard thing to do. It sounds a lot more simple than it is, but I had to start keeping a food journal, which to me, I put off for a long time. I dealt with some, you know, eating disorders and things through middle school and high school. And so a food journal to me just sounded like red flags of like, oh, this is going to just create obsessive behavior. But it was really essential for me to really look and see because I put so many things into my mouth during the day, just, you know, snacking or if there's a taste tester or if my kids don't finish their plate, you know, I'm just kind of constantly just eating little things here and there. And I don't always do it mindfully and I don't always think about it. And so it was really hard for me to pinpoint at first, you know, what those different things were that might be causing symptoms or to think, well, I had this today and yesterday and I'm sick today, you know, but I didn't have it last week and I felt okay last week. And, and so I had to really look at it really carefully. And I don't know that that necessarily has to be for everybody. I think, you know, I think an elimination diet, um, kind of similar to like a whole 30 style thing is also really helpful where you're cutting out a lot of food groups and then you feel well, and then you can add in, you know, just maybe one thing at a time and really watch. Um, but yeah, for me, it was, it was as strict as really writing down kind of every single meal and every single snack. And then if I woke up the next morning feeling sick, then I would flip back through the last few days and look at the last time that I felt sick. And I would try to say, oh, I ate this, you know, Monday and Thursday and I didn't feel well this day and this day. Uh, and, and, you know, for me, it's a little bit more immediate because it is in my, my, my diseases in my gut. But for some people, it could be a few days. Um, for some people, it could just be eating it every single day. It just kind of builds up, um, you know, and, and so I do say like a 30 day kind of trial of it is really helpful. And, and I think that the reintro phase is really helpful too, because a lot of times that's kind of the issue with diets, right? It's like you go off of all these things and you're really strict, but then all of a sudden, you know, come Saturday, you're eating M&Ms and 
pancakes and all sorts of different things, you know, and so you can't tell what it was. You can't tell if it was the syrup or if it was the flour or if it was the eggs in the pancakes. You know, there's lots of different nuances. And so I think adding them back in a few days at a time and really watching is is super helpful. It's so tricky because this con this whole conversation, the whole narrative of food that has been leveled at our generation since I have a memory. I mean, my entire life, it's all, um, it's all weight loss oriented and it's temporary oriented. So, I mean, it wasn't until I was a grown adult that anyone really spoke, um, cohesively and rationally to me about just health. Right. Truly, I always just thought, what can I do to lose 20 pounds for that party in two months? Right, right. So it's a, it's like a mental shift yeah, totally. that you're talking about, but anybody who's, who follows you. And of course you have this rabid following for good reason. Nobody can deny the relationship here yeah. between food and your health. I yeah. mean, you are healthy today and in remission. Is that how you would say it? Yeah. Yeah. So I always say <laughs> I'm not cured but I, yeah, I'm in remission and my symptoms are being managed by, by this. If I went back, which, and I have had little slip ups, I'm not perfect. And I've gotten sick here and there. And and in also a whole other side of things hormonally, it can throw me off. Um, and yeah, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's keeping me in remission when I eat the way that I should, (laughs) when I get arrogant and cocky and forget that I have a disease and I go and I try to eat something that I shouldn't, then I, after a little while I can get sick again. So it's, you know, I'm always cautious to say, but yeah, it it keeps me, it keeps me well. I haven't been in the hospital for this disease since 2010. Hooray. Yeah. So it's pretty incredible. You mentioned your cookbook a second ago. Let's talk about that. Talk talk about your first book and how you got, I mean, like you said, you're a marketing major. It's not like you majored in nutrition or you're a chef or, you know, you, you grew up in an adult capacity in a professional kitchen. I mean, this was, this is a whole new frontier for you. And now this is your career. It's what you're known for. You're a amazing absolutely stunning cook. And so how did you get to the place where you thought, all right, I've got something here. I want to share it. This is important. If it helped me, it can help others. And how about I write a cookbook? (laughs) Like, I mean, how that's a huge leap. (laughs) How did that go? Oh my gosh. It's, I, I really can only say that the Lord gave me a gift, honestly. So yeah, I am not trained at all. Um, again, like I said, I was, I was 22 And I, you know, the extent of my cooking was pulling out frozen hamburger patties and chopping them up and combining them with a jar of marinara sauce and some (laughs) some dried spaghetti noodles. I mean, that's what my that's like what we ate during college. Uh, And so when I first found out that, you know, cutting out some of these foods would help. I tried a couple recipes that were out on the web. And at that time, I mean, blogs were just starting to become a thing. This was 2000, 2008-ish. Um, totally. Yeah. And so, you know, there wasn't a lot out there. And the few things that I did try tasted like cardboard. And I did love food enough. And I did grow up, like I said, in an Italian household and, you know, eating home-cooked things as much as my mom and my grandma made them. And I just was like, I cannot live this life for the rest of my life. Um, I always say I had this real fear, like nightmare fears that I would live the rest of my life eating grilled chicken and steamed broccoli. And I was like, that is the worst thing in the world. Um, you know, and, and I was like, I want to enjoy my life. I want to, I loved to entertain and I loved to cook for family. And I, you know, imagined having kids later and, being able to do a lot of the pastimes like chocolate chip cookies and gingerbread houses, things like that with them, you know, that I wanted to be able to enjoy. And so I really just kind of got into the kitchen kind of out of necessity and, and also in fear of my husband leaving me for serving him terrible food every night, um, you know, and just started experimenting and trying out new ingredients. And, and I had a lot of flops at first and, I served my husband a lot of meals and started out with, I am so sorry, but you're eating this because we're newlyweds and I can't afford to throw it away because it's expensive and I won't serve it to you again. And I promise that I will try to make it better. (laughs) Um, You might remember, I sent you a picture of the first thing that I ever tried to cook with coconut flour. And I was like, this is a a disaster. Like I need some instruction here. So I, and coconut, it's expensive. It is expensive. 
Yeah. It's all, yeah. I mean, it is all expensive when you first start to have to restock your pantry. And, you know, I mean, I think it starts to even out in, in all honesty, because that's actually one of the criticisms that a paleo diet gets is the expense, which we can touch on later. But so I, I just started experimenting. And then again, yeah, I started a blog. Um, I was frequently posting on my personal Facebook page about food. And I started to think, gosh, my family and friends are going to start to hate me if that's what I turn into is they're wanting to see pictures of, you know, me and my kids, and it's just constantly food. And so I said, well, you know what, why don't I just start this website? And if they want to come to it, then that's their choice, but I'm not forcing it on them. And just all of a sudden, it just started taking off. I just started having people coming that were, you know, experiencing either the same diseases I had, or one of those other hundred, you know, autoimmune diseases, or just different symptoms. Um, you know, people with with kids that had autism and Asperger's that were looking for grain-free, dairy-free to help manage their symptoms and people with diabetes that were looking to have, you know, something that would help them. And it just, it just started kind of snowballing. And I was just getting all these comments and all these emails from people who were sick, which I was naive and young and didn't realize how many people in our country are sick. First of all, uh, 50 million Americans have autoimmune disease first, first and foremost, and 80% of those are women, which is also something that I had no idea. Um, and, and the age of which are getting diagnosed has become younger and younger. It's, it used to be like 60 year old males. And now it's pretty common for people like me that are in there, you know, or that was in their twenties to be diagnosed and females. And so, I started to realize, wow, there's this need for this and people really want to eat well and they want to feel well, but they also want to enjoy their food. And, and so the blog is really where it started. And then I actually had a publisher approach me and ask if I would do the cookbook. Um, I didn't know at that point that bloggers could write cookbooks. I, you know, I know I've heard you talk about the, the day you got your first book contract. It was like, I thought that cookbooks were reserved for Ina Garten and Rachel Wright. It was like, I did not know that you could write one without being a Food Network star, you know, or, <laughs> or a chef that owns like five restaurants. And so when they asked me, I actually was like, really? Like, are you sure? Are you sure? Um, and, and it's a kind of a cool story, actually. The lady who worked for the publisher had a son with, he was, I'm not sure what, but he was on the spectrum. And he went to a school where every Monday or something like that, they had cereal day where the kids got to bring in cereal and, and enjoy a bowl of cereal. And because he was grain free, he couldn't ever partake. And I have this granola recipe that uses nuts and seeds. And it's on, it was on my blog at the time. And she made it for him every week so that he could actually feel normal, quote unquote, with the kids and, and enjoy yeah. a bowl of cereal. And so he would have the granola with almond milk. And so she showed the publisher my blog and just said, hey, this has really changed our life. You know, how about offering her a contract? And so that's kind of how it started. That's amazing. Yeah, it was a really cool story for me, you know, to get that kind of personal feedback and just hear that my work was, was, had changed their life, you know, and, and that they wanted me to do it. So that's really where it started. So I, I jumped in and I created that book was 160 recipes. Um, and I self-titled it against all grain because in my head, I was like, this is my one chance. I'm never writing another cookbook again. <laughs> right, 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 right. So I, I shoved everything in there that I possibly could. I, I put every, you know, every recipe I could think of, I wanted it to be really comprehensive where somebody who was newly diagnosed with celiac, which is, you know, a, a allergy essentially to gluten or somebody who, you know, just found out that they were lactose intolerant and had to go off dairy or somebody who had an autoimmune disease that they could really open the book and feel like they could kind of breathe a sigh of relief of like, oh, okay, I can actually enjoy lemon meringue pie. I can have chocolate chip cookies. I can make dinners for my family in the crock pot that they can enjoy and not feel like I'm totally depriving them of, of all things happy. Uh, and so that's kind of where that one came from. And then yeah. they're like, we need to do more and <laughs> I can put your planet because at the end of every book that I write, and I have said this every single time without exception. Uh -huh. I tell anybody who'll listen, everybody in my family, everybody who knows me, guys, that's it. Yeah. I'm not right. That's, that's my last book. And the reason is I don't know anything else. Like right. I've said everything I know. Um, right. And there can't be anything more in my brain. So <laughs> I, this was it. This was my swan song. Mm -hmm. And then. Sure enough, you live life a little bit longer and your perspective brightens out a little bit more and more people kind of come into your life. Mm -hmm. And a couple of years later, boom, you yeah. have another cookbook. Right. So right. Um, you've written 
You've written three, right? I have. Yeah. And I've got another one that I am. Uh, <laughs> it's due on September 4th. Let's talk about deadlines. Let's not talk about deadlines, actually, because that'll just give me anxiety. Um, yeah. So for me, you know, actually, I've had this list in my head and in my phone and on my computer, and I'm terribly organized, uh, of just recipes after recipes that I want to recreate. I haven't created them all. So, so actually after that first book, I still had a list of probably like 300 recipes that I would have put in there if, if I had all the space in the world and the book wasn't going to cost like $80 for people to buy. <laughs> um, and so it wasn't a lack of, of, of content. Like I could have, I could actually, I say I could probably write 10 more with all the recipes that I want to create. Hey guys, just a quick break. Hope you're enjoying the show so far. Just want to tell you one quick little offer um, that our friends over at audible.com have for you, my listeners. So this is what Audible's offering you, a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial. Just to give you the chance to check out their services if you don't already love them. They're amazing. Um, you're going to love Audible. You can get a free audiobook just for trying it out. You can check out my books over there, if you want them, I recorded them both myself. It's like me reading to you. You could listen to the last one, which is For the Love, or the latest one, which is of Mess and Moxie. And if not those, there are so many other titles available over there. Um, and you could listen to any one of them for free. So here's what you do. To download your free audiobook today, you just go to audibletrial.com backslash hatmaker. That's simple. Audibletrial.com dot com backslash hatmaker for your free audiobook. Hope you love it. So okay, um let me ask you this. First of all, let me say this right up front. Your recipes, I have all your cookbooks, um, and I've I've dipped into your world this year yes. for for myriad of reasons, not the which not the least of which is I have my own little weirdo autoimmune um situation. And so I I thought I'm I've got to try something because I'm only 43. What am right. I gonna do? Like right. am I just gonna shrivel up here? So um I want everybody to know that everything I've ever made of yours is divine. And I'm uh-huh. not messing around. Like I don't mess around with flavor. Yeah. I don't mess around with food. I'm like you. If I can't eat well, just can I just die? Right. Like I, I I don't, is there any other There's option? I need good, delicious food and your stuff is. So having oh, said that, you. no, it, I mean, I bet it's not a thank you. I was just, I'm stating a fact. It's delicious. <laughs> and so sometimes like paleo gets this bad rap because yeah. admittedly it, it often takes quite a bit of prep and cooking, which it does. It's from scratch. Right. You know, we're not talking That's about true. processed garbage food. Um, right. So can you talk for a minute about how is it possible to follow this sort of lifestyle of eating um, if if your life is just not conducive, if you travel a lot or mm-hmm. if you're just not a cook or you don't have a lot of time, you work full time and you get home at 630. Um, yeah. In other words, can you give us a, some hacks or maybe just some of your <laughs> best high level advice for making this work? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think if you do have that kind of a lifestyle where you are busy or you're traveling, then you have to kind of set your expectations, right? Like you're not going to be able to sit down to a five course meal and you probably wouldn't have done that even before eating a paleo diet. I think there's ways to do it. I do think you probably have to just resign yourself to the fact that you're just going to eat a little bit more simply. Um, you're not going to be making, you know, paleo cakes and things like that. Cause those are the things that take more time. And those are also the things that are more expensive. So I say, you know, if you're trying to save money, you, you don't want to be going and buying the coconut flour and the almond flour and the honey and things like that, because that's, that's really what adds up. You can eat, you know, protein and vegetables pretty easily. And I think a lot of people ate that you eat that way. Anyways, you're really just taking off the bread or the rice or whatever, and you're just filling your plate up with some more vegetables. Um, but I think there's definitely some things that you can do. I mean, I think utilizing the slow cooker is huge. I think utilizing doubling up on recipes and freezing things. I mean, my biggest thing is like, if you're going to be dirtying up the kitchen and you're going to be doing that much prep work, you may as well make two or three of those things and throw them in the freezer so that you have them, you know? So last week I did, I I made a lasagna, um, with a couple of my friends and I was like, you know, if you're going to be messing up all this stuff, it's not difficult to just double up the ingredients. You're still using the same amount of bowls and whisks and things like that. And you only have to clean that stuff up once, but then you've got that in the freezer. Or if you're a single person or, or, you know, you don't have kids, then make, make a full size of something. Don't cut the recipe in half, make it, and then just freeze it in portions. And you can just pull things out as you need them. And there's, you know, less waste that way. Plus you're not 
cooking as often. And then I do think a prep day, you know, where you're just doing a half a day of just kind of like prepping a bunch of stuff. So whether you're roasting a bunch of sweet potatoes and keeping them in the fridge for the week, or you're roasting a bunch of veggies and or cooking like a chicken where you can, you know, just take some of the chicken off and put it on a salad or throw it into, you know, a lettuce wrap or something like that throughout the week, those types of things really do save time. And, and then if you can, I mean, it, there's definitely a cost that comes with it, but there's a lot of convenience items these days that you can buy, you know, so you don't have to be making your own mayonnaise and your own ketchup. Like you can go get those things at the store so that you're not stuck in the kitchen for all hours of the day. But yeah, I mean, it is definitely a little bit more cooking. It's, it's reverting back to the way that, you know, like our grandmothers cooked, right? It's like, we lost a lot of that with becoming so busy in life and running from this sport to this sport and school and, you know, just being so, so busy that there's no time to cook. Like, you have to definitely make space for that again in your life. You have to plan to say, hey, we're going to all sit down around the table together and I'm going to have to, you know, take whatever it is, you know, 30 minutes, an hour before that and make that um, or, you know, do, I, do some the night before or something like that. I love that. You and I are really like-minded on this because um, we've been fed this idea that cooking and being in the kitchen and just taking time for a period yeah. is a Bag. It's it's a burden, um, or that it's like just beyond our skill set. Right. Oh, how could I possibly chop an onion? You know, right. um, and we get that message in a thousand different ways. Yes. You know, everything marketed at us is uh, quick and easy, right, um, right straight to table, right. um, you know, fast, fast, warm up fast. Yeah. Um, and so, but really, like in my experience, um, time in the kitchen when I'm making something healthy for my family with my own two hands, mm-hmm. I it. It's yeah. nourishing my mind. And, and I, and I make a whole thing out of it. The music is playing. Right. And I am just going to have like this lovely moment in the kitchen that I think it is possible to change our mind yeah. on how we think about cooking, not so much as a burden, but as something wonderful, this transition, like into the evening with our people. And so you just mentioned sort of the beauty of that, like what it's like to gather around the table again and sort of go back to that. Um, what weirdly enough is now an old fashioned idea. <laughs> um, you know, it was like all of history until right now. Right. Until a second ago. So, um, you've recently done another book called celebrations. Yeah. Um, celebrations. It's helping, um, create like amazing food for holidays and events and gatherings that, that fits sort of the paleo diet. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, that kind of came from that whole place of of the stuff that I felt like I was missing out on. Like I felt like I couldn't go to people's houses or I couldn't go to holiday celebrations or I couldn't host a holiday because people would come over feeling like, oh, I'm missing out on all these traditions that I normally eat because you can't eat this way. And I wanted it to be something where I could have people into my home that didn't have to necessarily eat a paleo diet 100% of the time, but that I could serve them a full meal let's take, you know, Thanksgiving, for instance, where I could serve them stuffing and I could serve them a pumpkin pie and I could serve them turkey. And they would leave not feeling like they missed out on their, you know, traditions or the things that they knew as comforting for that holiday, but they would leave feeling completely satisfied, but not sick and not tired and not getting like the turkey day, you know, nap afterwards. Um, and, and feel like they really got to enjoy it, but that the food actually tasted really fresh and vibrant and healthy and and that they could maybe, you know, take those recipes and, and have them in their own home, even if they don't have to do it a hundred percent of the time, just so that they could say, I really enjoyed this, but I also really feel great afterwards. And, and so it was kind of an answer to that of, of just also hearing from people, you know, that they felt like they couldn't partake in a lot of those things. And, and they've, you know, moms who felt like they were missing out on traditions with their kids that they got to do with their moms and they wanted to be able to pass those things down. And so that's really what the whole book is about. There's 12 different holidays, um, one for each month, pretty much. So it's kind of everything from New Year's to you know, there's a game day chapter, there's Valentine's Day, and then there's, you know, bridal shower, baby shower, those those times during the year where if you do have a special diet that you really feel like you're kind of left out, <laughs> um, or where you're, you know, putting people out because you're trying to, you know, try to, you're trying to help yourself, but then also trying to make them feel welcome and, and get to en- getting to enjoy those things. So yeah, that's really what it is. But there's also, you know, I, 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 
I organized it in that way just so that if you are hosting or if you're going somewhere for one of those specific events that you just have it all planned out for you. There's the whole menu there and you can just make all those things and not have to worry about it because those also are really are times of stress. You know, I can't tell you how many times I have heard from families whose kids have to eat this way because of various things, you know, like I said, autism or Asperger's or Crohn's, little kids that have Crohn's disease or diabetes or, you know, things like that. And and those poor kids for like their birthdays, they want to have a cupcake or a piece of cake, or they want to have a birthday party and have food that their little friends can come and enjoy and not feel like, oh gosh, we, you know, this person's weird that they have to eat this stuff. And they, it's a big point of anxiety for people. Like they're like, my son is having a birthday next month and I don't know what to do for their cake, you know? And I'm like, I don't want anybody to have to feel that way. And especially the child, you don't, they already dealing with the sickness or whatever it is. And you don't want them to feel like they're different, you know, or ostracized. And so that's really kind of the whole book is about that is just about giving people these recipes that they can still go on with their normal life and just change a few of the ingredients, uh, but they can still celebrate those times. When I um, thumb through your cookbooks, if I didn't know, if I didn't read the intro, if I didn't know your story, you know, if I didn't read sort of the education that you provide around the paleo diet up front, and I just thumbed through the recipes, looked at the pictures, read the ingredients, saw the finished product, literally it would never occur to me all that you were, you know, leaving out, quote unquote. I wouldn't even notice. That's so good. It's so luscious and beautiful and rich. They're sweet. It's just all in there. Like every, it seems like you have found a way to adapt almost everything that we would eat outside of those yeah. boundaries. Pretty amazing. What would you say, what's your best recipe? Like this is your thing. This is your perfect recipe. People ask you for this. It's what, it's a home run every single time. Probably my, I would say my real deal chocolate chip cookies were the thing that that was what was I put on my blog that after those went out, that's when I started to notice it kind of just take off. People love them. Um, they've, I don't, you know, I don't know what it is, but they just, I think they feel the most like the traditional kind of food. Um, and so, yeah, I would say that's probably the one that I see made the most. I mean, you can see, you know, when you're tagged on social media and those definitely <laughs> show up, which tells you a lot about our, our country, real, our chocolate chip cookies. They're just something people can't live without. <laughs> well, it's kind of exciting to discover that you can really deeply care for your health, the way you're eating and still love your food. Yeah. You know, those have been set up as mutually exclusive. Right. That's the way we've been um, taught to understand that. But um, to find, to realize you can have really scrumptious cookies or just a really delicious Thanksgiving dinner is th- it's exciting. Yeah. Like for people like me for whom food is so fun and wonderful and such a deep part of my life. Yeah. That is a wonderful surprise. Yeah, definitely. Um, feel like I'm not just going to be eating steamed broccoli <laughs> the whole rest of my freaking right. life. Please. Please don't make don't me. make me. <laughs> um, what would you say? What's one of your paleo recipes that nobody would ever suspect is paleo? Like it most mimics some really naughty off the list um, food, but you have adapted it so much that nobody would ever guess. Ooh, my goodness. Um, well, I would say those cookies probably. People like you, I served them the first time that I served them. So we hosted, we used to host a bunch of like high school and college kids at our house for dinner once a week when I was kind of creating those recipes. And I, my, my favorite thing to do is create something and have people come in and taste it, but not tell them that it's, you know, free of, yeah. of all the things. And so I remember giving them to some of the college boys who did not have to eat any which way or that, you know, it was like they could yeah. eat whatever they wanted and right. they loved them. And they, they, I mean, I don't know if this is, I, I took it as a compliment, but they compared them to like Toll House cookies. And I was like, that's yeah. exactly what I was going for. And, um, <laughs> so yeah, that, those, I would say kind of the same yeah. thing. Um, I have a, I have a, a chicken and rice quote unquote, even though it's cauliflower casserole in in my second book, Meals Made Simple. So my mom was, she cooked a lot, but she definitely did the shortcuts, you know, that a lot of our moms did. So lots of cans of cream of mushroom soup. Uh, she used those like French's fried onions a lot, sour cream. And, and she did a lot of casseroles that had like a full tub of sour cream and a, two cans of cream of mushroom soup, which if you look at the ingredients of cream of mushroom soup, I had no idea some of the stuff that was in there. <laughs> It's like soup jelly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, there's there's wheat and there's MSG and there's all sorts of things that you're like, why does this need to be in soup? But I, I guess because it's canned and because it tastes great. Um, 
and that's the things that make things taste great apparently. But so when I, when I recreated that kind of casserole effect with like the cream of mushroom soup, but without any dairy, which you use cashews, but that's when I was like, this is amazing. It just opened up a whole world of, I have options for me, you know, like I can make my mom's poppy seed chicken and then I can, you know, make the chicken and rice casserole. Or I, I was texting you about King ranch casserole, which I had never had before, but it just, there's a lot of things from my childhood that are that are comfort to me that had to do with cream of mushroom soup. Listen, that cashew situation is a revelation. <laughs> I first, you're the one who told me about this, and I thought this is baloney. There's just no <laughs> way cashews are going to emulate creamy sauces that I have loved my entire yeah. life. And I hand to the heavens, it's the craziest thing ever. It does. Yeah. It. I made like whatever you want to say, Alfredo sauce, soaked cashews. I mean, I laughed out loud in my kitchen. I just thought, you know what? Dang it. They're right. They're right. I can't believe it. It's so good. Oh, your commentary through all of that process was just hysterical. It was amazing. (laughs) Well, it's crazy that you, there really are alternatives that give us the same delicious taste, the creamy texture. I mean, I just would not have missed a inch of the dairy that I left out of that Alfredo. Right. I couldn't believe it. My kids loved it too. Everybody. Yeah. It's, it's pretty amazing. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's fun getting to experiment with lots of things, you know, and trying to recreate the things that you think you could never recreate. So. All right. Let me ask you one more question and then we're going to wrap it up with three questions that we're going to do for every guest in this series on food. So this is the last thing I would just love for you to, to talk about real quick. So beverages, drinks. <laughs> this is a bit of a challenge for people on a paleo diet. Yeah. I've heard, I mean, I'm asking for a friend, right. obviously, but there's like, you know, there's no soda, no dairy, no sugar. Yeah. Um, can you talk to us about some really great drinks we can have in lieu of all that? And also I'm just asking for a friend that for a friend, <laughs> if like alcohol is something we're allowed to have, or is okay. does wine fit in here anywhere? I think wine fits in perfectly. So the, 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 the kind of standard would be that no alcohol that's made from grains, essentially. So you don't want to be drinking beer because it has gluten in it. Um, you know, some of the grain based alcohols, like, um, sorry, I'm, I don't do a whole lot of alcohol, but bourbon, things like that. Um, I would, I would stay away from if you're particularly sensitive, although some people do say through the distillation process that some of that stuff is kind of gone and it won't affect you. Um, I'm a, I'm a tequila girl personally. Um, I love a good margarita. I have a recipe for it on my blog that uses honey instead of like a sugary, simple syrup. Um, and it is delicious. I will tell you it is, it's my brother's recipe. He's kind of like our resident bartender and it's just tequila and lime juice and a like a honey simple syrup essentially and it is so good and you you'll love it and it's refreshing um in my first book he actually made some fun mocktails for me that i put in there and so you can find those in there so there's like you know like a blueberry smash that has some sparkling uh, ginger kind of beer type stuff in it. And so there's some fun things you can do. If you're doing like a whole 30 type of thing where you're really trying to cut out a lot of problem areas, then yeah, there's no alcohol allowed during those 30 days. And part of that is more because people have uh, dependency on it. I think that's kind of a bigger thing is, you know, that's why they're having you cut it out. If you don't have a problem, then I think occasionally, I think it's totally fine. I mean, I live in California. We go to Napa all the time. I definitely enjoy a glass of red wine here and there. Um, and during the hot summers here, a glass of rosé is wonderful. <laughs> um, that um, um, the newest favorite guest on the For the Love <laughs> podcast. Of- <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah. And then in terms of other beverages, coffee, nut pods, I think you, you, you've got to love those. I mean, it takes a little while to get used to not using, you know, your hydrogenated creamers with all the sugar in it, but it, you can, you can get there. Coconut milk. I mean, it, it yeah, it, it just takes a little bit of, a little bit of adjusting. <laughs> do you, do you drink coffee? I haven't because I feel like I've been pregnant and having babies for so many years or nursing that I just kind of have been off of it. Um, I do decaf every once in a while, which I know most people are like, what's the point, but it's just kind of that warm kind of thing in the morning. Um, but yeah, I mean, I did nut pods in my coffee when I did and, and, or almond milk and you can go now to Starbucks and Pete's and get an almond milk or coconut milk latte. Now I would say you have to be wary of some of those cause some of those boxes have some ingredients in it that you are don't, that you kind of want to stay away from. But, 
Um, but yeah, there's, I feel like there's so many more options than there used to be. It's possible. It is All possible. right. On to these last three questions. Everyone's going to answer these and they're kind of down and dirty. So you just like <laughs> fire it back. So, all right, here's the first one. Um, you've got one hour to get ready. You've got six friends coming over. So what is in your pantry in your fridge right now? Like the, in one hour from now, you could cook and put a good meal on the table for your friends. I think an what hour is do? actually kind of a lot of time. That's not, that's not a bad time constraint. Um, I would make my dairy free grain free lasagna. I, so I, more than most people would probably have a few things in my fridge and my freezer that maybe you would have to prep in advance, but I have these grain free wraps that we use kind of for all different sorts of things. I use them for enchiladas. I use them for lasagna. I use them for sandwich wraps and I keep them in my freezer cause they're, they're pretty easy to make. They're kind of like a crepe essentially. And I always keep them in my freezer so that I can throw stuff together. Yeah, I do. But you could buy, again, like I said, there are some convenience items these days that you could totally buy that would still be grain-free, but um, they're really easy to make. I mean, it's, it's no harder than making pancakes essentially. And I just make a couple dozen at a time. And then I always keep ground beef in the freezer, grass fed ground beef. And then I usually have, I don't, I don't, I used to make my spaghetti sauce from scratch, but I don't have time for those things anymore. So I have jars in the pantry, um, or sometimes I'll have frozen sauce if I did make it. Um, and so I would throw that together really fast. Um, I think that's just a, it's a good one that I've fed to many people who don't have to eat that way, that they still enjoy it. Um, actually our, a mutual friend of ours, Angie Smith was, was here a couple or last week. And I, I served it to her. She does not need to eat that way. And she enjoyed it. And my, you know, my grandmother who's Italian, uh, sat down to my table and, and didn't, you know, question what was in it. So I, I love serving that to guests. That's one of my favorites. You passed the um, Italian grandmother test. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Okay. How about this? Um, what was your biggest, most extravagant cooking victory to date? Like you felt like you were Julia child, like you, you, you nailed it. You put it on the table. Everyone stood up to applaud. Everything was amazing. That's a tricky one. Oh, that is a tricky one. Um, I mean, I'd have to go back to those cookies um, because I'm working on all these new recipes for this next book. I did a butter chicken, like an Indian butter chicken that I was hoping to have leftovers the next day for my lunch and there were there wasn't there was none. And it's I always when I'm testing recipes, I usually will have like my in-laws come over and you know, a couple friends to taste things and it just was devoured and gone, which I was like, okay, that's a winner. Um so yeah, I would say probably I would say that that new dish, which is kind of exciting. Oh my gosh, I cannot wait to see that. Uh what about your worst fail? <laughs> um I, there was a question that you sent before this about like some of the recreations and I on there was mm-hmm. mac and cheese that that one that's probably my biggest fail and it's just kind of one of those ones where I'm like I think I just need to give up on this because it is one of the most frequently requested for people but I mean when you're cutting out pasta and dairy it's just it's just a little difficult like if you could give me some you know brown rice noodles I could totally create a dairy-free sauce but but it's just like without the noodles and without the dairy so there was this one point which I don't know if you've tried in your cashew quests to uh, try adding nutritional yeast, which is kind of a, a big thing that the vegan community does to add a cheesy flavor, quote unquote. It's really does not really taste like cheese, but it kind of gives it this like salty umami, if you will, like flavor. And so I had this brilliant idea of, I was like, oh, I'm going to take the stalks from cauliflower and I'm just going to kind of blanch them so that they're still kind of chewy, crispy a little bit. And that's going to be my pasta sub. <laughs> and then I'm going to do a, a, a cashew sauce that I add in this nutritional yeast. I had never used nutritional yeast before and, and you don't really need much of it. You kind of use it sparingly, but I threw in like a whole cup of it and, and, and then, you know, made this cashew sauce and I put it on top of this cauliflower stock thing. It was just, it was awful. It is, it's not very often that I toss completely in the trash. One of the recipes that I'm creating, you know, we'll still eat it and we'll just kind of power through it. And then I'll make some, you know, modifications the next time and make it better. But this one was like, I took one bite and was like, I, I can't poison anybody with this. I have to just throw it away. <laughs> I'm like, it was, it was just awful. And I think it's been since that point that I just was like, when people request mac and cheese, I'm like, eh, not going to happen. Sorry. <laughs> like some things we're just going to have to believe. Yeah. Yeah. I re- yeah, mac and cheese. Although there are okay, some last- brands now that have grain-free pasta that you know you could buy, and so maybe I'll I'll go back and try theirs at some point. But <laughs> I don't know. I just if it has to have that nutritional yeah. yeast to taste like, I just feel just like you are going to 
other things. Yeah, I agree. Let's go back to the butter chicken. Okay. <laughs> um, so, okay. Desert Island cooking. You get, you get three things to cook oh, with boy. on a desert island and one kitchen tool. Like one. So three ingredients, one kitchen tool. <laughs> and let's just assume in imagination that there is a heat I was going to say, do I have fire? Can I make that as one of my... <laughs> Yes. Okay, good. I have a four burner stove. Um, oh gosh. Okay. Um, I know most people would say they're instant pot, but I'm not going to, I, I'm not a full believer in the instant pot yet. Um, I would say my blender, ah, yeah. um, a good knife so that I could at least like chop up some veggies and where's my food coming from? Am I like using seaweed and fish? Oh, oh, gosh. Oh boy. You get to bring three food things, <laughs> only one kitchen tool. Oh, okay. So my blender is my tool, I guess. Oh, yeah. Okay. But then That's, I could make, like, I could make smoothies and I could make soup and heat it up over. Uh, this is a hard one. Um, it is a hard one. and then my food, gosh, um, no. I would say eggs. Cause I feel like you could do tons of different things with eggs. Um, this is, this is putting, this is making me verklempt. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I would probably do ground beef just because I feel like okay. it's, it's, it's versatile and, and you could do lots of different things with it. Um, eggs and, and some sort of like yeah. a, like a, I would probably do some sort of greens just so that we weren't going to like die from calcium and deficiency. So yeah, like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to think about my health at the same time here. I, that's a really, you're back to the diet you didn't want to be I stuck know, with. I know, but yeah, I'm like, I, okay. yeah, okay. I, I, that's a terrible answer. It's a terrible answer. No, no, I feel good about okay. that. Like, at least you're going to live. Know, you're going to have a balanced diet. What am I going to puree ground beef and greens in my blender and an egg? I mean, <laughs> that's true. I'm not sure what that would produce, but I'm just, we're going to just say that is a, a complete answer. Okay. My kids would have been like, um, f- full sugar Coca-Cola. <laughs> and um they would pick like fun oh right right so, well yeah see that's all that you pick a package product that has like 50 ingredients in it so that's not fair like i'm just picking like an ingredient you know <laughs> that's not true that's not fair um okay so you're amazing i love you i love your story you. i love how accessible that you have made really delicious and healthy food to the rest of oh, us. It, it, you really have like, and anybody who's not been through your cookbook, you really have, like you give us tips on here's how you make this one thing stretch yeah. over three meals. Here's how you plan. Here's a whole week of meals. Yeah. Here's what you, I mean, I'm telling you, you've made it so simple oh, for the average person. It's, it's awesome. Tell us really quickly, how can people find you? Um, what are you working on right now? All that. Okay. Uh, so you can find me at Against All Grain on all the platforms, except for I've kind of recently broken up with Twitter. So don't go there to find me because it's just not really me. Um, <laughs> I'm on Instagram and Facebook and my blog is againstallgrain.com. And then, you know, like you said, I've got three cookbooks. So if you are at a lack of recipes, you can find like over 400 and something between those three. Uh, and then my next book won't be out till next fall. So, I mean, you won't, don't look forward to that anytime soon, but I'm working on that right now. And then I have a ton of YouTube videos and I also do a Facebook live cooking segment every Tuesday. Uh, so I'm there every Tuesday of 3.30 Pacific time cooking or just answering questions. So if you're kind of new and you just want to like see it done, because a lot of us are visual learners and you just need to see like, oh, this doesn't look that difficult. It doesn't, you know, it looks a lot less difficult than it sounds. Then come over to my Facebook and, and hang out with us and ask some questions and see that it's it's doable and it's not super daunting and intimidating. And also no big deal, but you literally have a brand new born baby. So you're just managing all this. <laughs> you girl you hustle oh, thank you you are doing it all I right went now to it's school it's drop off with my shirt inside out today so <laughs> I realized when I got home that it, the tags were on the outside but you know what I'm, I'm getting it done as best as I can you know what you've got that kid to school I did. So, and he was on time he was on time impressive <laughs> okay sister thanks for being on thank today. you for having me all right isn't she great you guys I love Danielle I really do I love her story. I love this series. I love food people. I love food. (laughs) 
I hope you're enjoying this too, because we have so many other amazing guests lined up for the For the Love of Food series. You're just going to love it. And we're kind of all over the map too. So we've got all these interesting food perspectives and all these amazing people who are bringing them to us. So um, tune back in because you're really going to enjoy the other guests in the series just as much as Danielle. Anything that we mentioned today, Danielle's books, her website, any recipes that we mentioned, even a couple of photos of the two of us in Kim Paisley's kitchen, as before mentioned, it'll all be up on my website at jenhatmaker.com. You can find all those links. We'll make sure you've got everything at your fingertips. And so I hope you loved her. For any of you who are suffering from health issues or autoimmune issues or anything that she mentioned, I will be so thrilled to know that maybe something you heard today sets your feet on a path that might bring back health and wholeness and happiness to you or to your family or to your kiddo. I'm telling you, so glad to have her today. So glad to have you. It's such a joy to do this podcast with you. I can't even tell you how much I'm loving it. So thanks for tuning in week in after week and can't wait to bring you some more amazing guests and amazing topics. All right. See you next week, guys. Thanks for joining us today on the For the Love podcast. Tune in next week when we sit down again with Jen and friends to chat about all the things we love. Love you, our listeners. So we want to be sure you subscribe to For the Love with Jen Hatmaker via iTunes or your favorite podcast provider so you don't miss a thing. And if you have a minute, please leave us a review. To become a part of Jen's online community, visit jenhatmaker.com and sign up for her newsletter. It's full of all the things you love, including free stuff. We love free stuff. Thanks for listening and see you next time on For the Love with Jen Hatmaker.